0: The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit fef.law.
1: Hello, friends! Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we're going to talk about the last couple of preseason friendlies. We'll preview the upcoming home opener against FC Cincinnati. We'll talk about some of Claudio's plans for maybe adding an additional player. And then we've got a couple of fun announcements for you. My name is Landon Cottom. I'm joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey everybody, I'm Jeremiah Bentley
0: and Landon. I am super excited that we are back to game week. It's it was a very short
1: off season, and I think I like it. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it was short, but also like I think it felt like a good amount of time. Like I needed the break, and I needed to kind of like step away from it for a little bit. <laughs> but now I'm like ready to go. I'm like very excited to get back into it.
0: Yeah, I think the lead ups the now this is probably true like for every team in every sport, but I feel like everybody needs an, needs a bit of an offseason just to like re-energize and like get this excitement and be convinced that we're gonna be better than we were last year. But man, I'm I'm all in on the changes we made this off season. I look forward to twenty twenty two being a better year than twenty twenty one for a lot of reasons. Like we won't play eight games on the road to start it off, right? And yes. You know, level up our balance schedule. We're gonna have fewer midweek games, and so you know, hopefully, we'll get better results on the field too. And it'll
1: be a little bit of an easier experience as a fan. Here's to hoping. Here's to hope, right? All right, we have a few announcements we wanted to make uh, here at the top of the show because we have a lot going on this week. Um, So next week, this is Tuesday, March first, at six PM. We're going to be doing another live event at Turnstile. Is it Turnstile Coffee? Is that what their full name is? I think it's Turnstile Coffee and Brewing. Okay. So over next to the stadium, uh, it's the home of the Fighting Leslies. It's where they meet up before games. But we're teaming up with Pam Cato of Craft Beer Austin again to do a little live uh, panel discussion. She's going to be... um, seeing what's the word for what she's going to be doing? Moderating, I think. Would moderating be word for it. Yeah. She's going to be moderating it. Um, so yeah, we invite you all to come hang out with us, talk about Austin FC, and it'll be right after that first game. So hopefully we have uh some happy stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah, come have some beers and ask us
0: some hard questions and just hang out and have a good time. And we really enjoyed it when we get out to
1: do live shows or live hangouts with people, and this is another good chance to do it. Uh, another announcement we have is that Moon Tower Soccer now has an MLS Fantasy League. So if I know some of you may be thinking like, oh, I'm already in a fantasy league, I can't do another one. The good thing is with MLS Fantasy is that you, if you already have a team, you only have to set your team once and you can join as many leagues as you want. And so it's not any extra work. Um, I'm thinking we haven't really discussed this yet, Jeremiah, but I was thinking maybe we could do. Uh, a couple of prizes throughout the season, or at the very least, like a prize to the winner at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, join it. We'll, we'll read out the winner's names on air every once in a while, and uh, it should be fun. So how does one find the Moon Tower Soccer MLS Fantasy League, Landon? Uh, y- I will put a link to it in the show notes, and then I also tweeted it from the Moon Tower Soccer Twitter account today, but I think the show notes will be a good place to look for it. And then uh we'll post it yeah, we'll post it to the our social media accounts again later this week. Well, see, and that's good for you because you're really like dedicated and consistent fantasy
0: player. And I'm really good at setting my lineup for like three weeks and being in the <laughs> middle of packing and then quitting. So maybe this maybe having our own league will motivate me to actually care throughout the whole season. Cause I feel like I would would feel pretty bad if I finished last in the league that we were running. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it's kind of a running joke that Andrew Weeby stop setting his lineup in the, the extra time league after like week three every year. Okay. And so you, <laughs> you would be in decent company there. All
0: right, good. I'll be the Andrew
1: Wiebe of moon tower soccer. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, we have another exciting announcement announcement too, Jeremiah. Do you want to tell the listeners about that? Yeah, this is really
0: cool. And we appreciate this group coming to us, but we're pairing with Sage Wilson property group to give away two free tickets to the Austin FC home opener this weekend. And we, I think it'll be not this weekend, but every week actually down the road. Um, and they are in section 108 right next to the field. And also they're really close to my seats too. So if you win, maybe I will come
1: down and harass you in person. And you can walk past Jeremiah and give him a high five on your way to this, these seats that are closer way to the better, field yeah. than Jeremiah's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So to enter... To win these tickets, you can go to MoontowerSoccer.com and in the top navigation bar, there's a link that says free ticket giveaway. Click on that. There'll be a form you fill out. Um, All entries need to be in by 10 p.m. on Wednesday night. So it's a little tight turnaround in this one. We'll give a little bit more runway on future giveaways that we do. But 10 p.m. Wednesday, February 23rd in order to be eligible. And like we said, this is uh, made possible by Sage Wilson Property Group. So Eric Wilson of Sage Wilson Property Group. He's a longtime listener of Moon Tower Soccer, a huge soccer fan, big Austin FC fan. And he's been giving Sage real estate advice in Austin for, I think he told me, 16 years now. So a lot of experience. Uh, But we're really excited to be working working with Sage Wilson Property Group this season. And uh, we're very thankful that they're allowing us to, or giving us the opportunity to give away these tickets. So yeah, sign up for that.
0: Yes, yeah, so that'll be a really cool treat for for the listeners and, you know, for us and we're really this is a this is a great partnership. Love working with new people and, you know, longtime fans and people are willing to uh step up for the community.
1: All right, let's jump into the Austin FC news, Jeremiah. So there were uh two preseason games this week. Uh one against who was it? Oh, Atlas. Yeah, Atlas is on Wednesday. Wednesday. Yep. And then Chicago Fire played a little friendly at the St. David's Performance Center on Saturday. Uh, so where do you want to start here? Well, I was thinking we this
0: show is going to be a little bit about uh, things that we got wrong. Um, and one thing when we were recording <laughs> this show last Monday night is we're like, who knows what Ruben, Gab- Ruben Gabrielson is, and maybe he'll never make it. And then about, what, two hours after this show came out, like news came out that he was on his way to Austin. Um, and then so last, what was it, Tuesday morning that fans, it would be early Wednesday morning, late Tuesday night, I believe is yeah. what it was. Like he got to the airport after 19 hours of travel and had a large group of fans that met him at the airport, which apparently, you know, blew him away. He said that he, the atmosphere was crazy. He's never seen something like it. That was during the game. And I think we read an article in Striker Texas when he was talking to to Bills that said that he was just blown away by sort of the fan um appearance at the airport too so he he is in town so that's something we didn't expect to see um and said he wanted to play versus atlas and did get a little time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> versus, which would have been like what out, you know a few hours in austin and he did a halftime interview um and he did get some time against chicago so like that's that was exciting news so i don't know that we'll see him in the first match of this year but we got him earlier than i thought we would and i think everybody's excited about that because i think you mentioned this early on or a few weeks ago um he was like waving at people from the press box during the first game. People would feel a lot better than him still like dealing with visa issues and not being in town.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so that quote that, that was in Bill's article that was after the, the fire preseason game. And I was in the, I was like media quote unquote media for that game. Me and Chris and a few other guys are standing right next to the field there. And so I got to. I was standing there when Ruben gave this quote, and he was not joking about wanting to play. He like looked a little bit disappointed that they didn't let him.
0: <laughs> he was crazy,
1: but I mean, he did. He did the halftime interview, and he looked um, fit and ready to go. Yeah, he, he said a- he's been training twice a day uh, with with Lilistrom, uh in Norway, and so he, yeah, like I said, he wasn't joking. He wants to play now, so I would be surprised if we see him on saturday but who knows
0: (laughs) yeah but i would not be surprised to see him against miami the next week i mean i think that's completely reasonable i almost expect to see him in that game so then let's go to the atlas match on wednesday because again this is the second thing we were very wrong about when i think we said that austin had been playing sort of their first choice lineup as starters most of the preseason we expected to see us field a strong side against atlas and then the lineup came out
1: and it was it was the second 11 i'll be honest here at that point, I for, I kind of forgot that they were still going to play another game. And I was thinking of this Atlas one as their last preseason game. <laughs> uh, had I remembered that, maybe I would have made a smarter prediction about that. But yeah, we saw an entire second 11, a rotated 11 against Atlas. And one thing I was thinking about after the game, and I tweeted this the other day, is if you look at that starting 11 from the Atlas game, it's better than... A lot of 11s that we started in real MLS games last year which is encouraging I think yeah I think you're right about
0: that um and we did see a little bit of the the uh the starters I think
1: the starters came in about 60 minutes in if I remember yeah, right. yeah there were two changes at uh at halftime and then the rest of the guys came in at 60 and then uh diego got did diego sub out at 60 as yeah, well Diego he came out. on at half and then subbed out again and i you know i didn't notice i didn't notice this there but
0: like there's always the guy with the dial did the guy have to do like the dial with a like player number changes for like eight different people all at once or did they just i I think they just like didn't do that they just scrapped maybe they just didn't
1: do it i also noticed that the new pa announcer uh jeremiah the PA announcer, he announced like maybe two or three of them. He's like, I give up. I can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't so do many. all these. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, so that one ended 1-1. So Atlas scored in the 39th minute. It was a mistake, maybe like a combo mistake from Romagna and Jimenez there. I think Romagna got beat and then Jimenez kind of took a heavy touch as he was trying to play out of danger there that just fell into the path of uh, one of Atlas's forwards and then they one on one with Stuver. Didn't really have a chance there or sorry with Tarbell. Tarbell. Yeah. Tarbell was playing at the time. Yeah. Um, didn't really have a shot there. And then in the 85th minute, Cecilia Dominguez wins a penalty and Sebastian Drusi buries it into the bottom corner. Really nice, nicely taken penalty there. Um, I saw you right here in the notes, Jeremiah, asking if the penalty call was legit, and I don't know the answer. Did did you get a chance to see it again? I did. So I did watch it again. The reason I wrote it in there
0: is the uh, I had at least two different people who hadn't watched it, who didn't watch the match or didn't watch it closely or whatever, saw that it was Cecilio that drew the penalty and just assumed that it was Cecilio, you know, being Cecilio the flopper. Um, but I did I did watch it again. I mean, it was legit. I mean, did did he sell it as much as he could? of course like it's Cecilio Dominguez but like it was it was a worthy call and i think it would have got i think he would have gotten that uh call whether he had like made a big thing out of it or not so i i I'd, I'd go with it was
1: absolutely a fair call that was my instinct on the first viewing um so it was apparently announced as a sellout uh it, the stadium was not full by any means it was would you guess like I don't know, sixty-five, seventy percent. Yeah, I was gonna say
0: two thirds, so it's
1: basically that. Yeah. Which is still like it's not bad for a Wednesday night preseason game against a beat like a like a rotated squad, a a game that maybe wasn't advertised or like emphasized the same way a regular season game would. So I thought it was pretty good for, for the circumstances and kind of a good little warm up for for this Saturday. Yeah, I agree with that. I
0: agree with that too. And the supporters like the, the Murga and the, uh, those, the core group there, they were, they were loud and they were proud and they came through really well in the TV broadcast. And I mean, I was impressed with that. Um, the other thing that we saw, which I feel like we've talked about so much that, um, that we, I didn't even write it in the notes. Like this is the debut of the minty green kit, right? Cause that came out. It was. Yeah. I think that Kate, okay, that the, the kit with the, with the moon tower. Um, on it, <laughs>
1: yes. We unaffiliated to this podcast, Moon Tower.
0: <laughs> yeah, the completely unrelated Moon Tower. But I was very happy to claim credit for <laughs> and talk to with people on <laughs>
1: with people on Twitter about. It. But what do you what do you think about it now that you've seen it? I'm I'm way into it. Um, and for maybe some of the reasons that other people don't like it, uh, I've said this on the show many times. I like a simple kit, so I like the solid color uh, with some little accents on it. I also like like on these lighter colors for the shorts and the socks to all be the same color. I've heard some people say that they don't like that. They wish it would have been black, black shorts or something, but I like the, 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 what are they calling it? Cool Verde, the cool Verde all the way down. I'm into it. Yeah, I agree.
0: And that's probably the thing I like the most about it uh, is the, like the monochrome look. And so I went and bought one on Friday afternoon at the Verde store at the stadium. And I want to send a shout out to Emilio, the manager who like, recognized my voice and said he was looking forward to the show on Tuesday. So I guess I want to apologize to him too and say, hopefully you appreciate the show on Wednesday as much as you thought you were going to like it on Tuesday. But uh, yeah, man, I think it's, it's, it's a good kit. So I've got it. I plan to wear it, um, you know, whenever I can. And, uh, and it's way better than other things that I feared when, when we got, when, when we saw some of those crazy
1: rumors earlier on. Um, so I'm going to talk about just a few players uh, of that starting group the other night against atlas um we, don't, we won't go through everyone but i wanted to hit on a few of them so uh what, what did you think of owen wolf's outing against atlas i thought he was good for sure were you surprised? Support- yeah, yeah
0: i mean he, he had some he had some strong moments like he had moments where he was like very threatening
1: and looked like a grown man you know on attack absolutely. for sure Yeah, I think he still had like a few teen moments out there uh, where he looked a little nervous or a little bit overwhelmed at times. But there's this I think it was the same midfielder twice that he like chopped the ball back and just like ran right around him a few times in the midfield. uh, He was really good at arriving into the box. And I think he got two shots at the top of the box that Finley laid off for him. Um, and so just the positioning, the the wherewithal to be in that spot and to know to be there in that moment was really good. he He hit the shots okay. I think he could have hit at least one of them a little better. Um, but that's that's encouraging to to see him doing stuff like that. Um, other players, uh, Ethan Finley and Felipe, I thought they both kind of had, some bright spots, but seem to not be on the same page all the time. Like, I feel like we're getting into some good positions. And you hear uh, Wolf and burhalter talk about using the ball to disorganize your opponent. And I feel like Austin actually did that. I don't think we did it all the time last year. Pretty rarely last year, actually. And I feel like they were doing it, but then that final move would be out of sync. They wouldn't quite be on the same page. Um, I'm hoping that it's just due to the fact that these guys have been playing together for like two weeks or something. Um, but I, I saw some promising things just like positionally where we were getting the ball to in certain spaces. Uh, Musajite, his holdup play was fantastic. There was time after time on a few throw-ins and then, uh, some other times they'd play the ball up to him. He'd, hold it up on his chest, turn, play the ball off. And he just like couldn't connect that last dangerous ball in the final third. And there was a few moments where he probably should have made a hard run and just held up or like floated back post or something. And you well, could tell the wingers were like, no, go, 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 go. Yeah, he and Felipe and he just, had
0: some moments, right, in that game where they, I think both both ways, where they were visibly not on the same page. And I know Felipe yeah. let him have it a little bit.
1: Yeah, so that was a little bit frustrating to watch because we were getting into some good moments and then they would be uh, kind of wasted with just like disorganization as far as like guys linking up together. But um, but I, I I took some encouragement away from that. Uh, the last guy I want to talk about is uh, Johan Valencia. So what was your overall impression of him there?
0: Uh, I mean, I felt like he was... I don't know. I feel like he 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 did fine for what we, for what we saw out of him. I didn't, I didn't have a really strong view on how he played.
1: Yeah, I think I mean it's I to me I think it's clear that he's very talented. <laughs> um his his first touch is really nice just like receiving the ball like on the half turn or like pivoting around and swinging the ball to the other side. All of that was super nice. He didn't do a lot of like progressive passes like moving the ball up the field but just like switching the field. Moving the ball from one side to the other, he did all that very cleanly and very efficiently. Hopefully, the progressive stuff will come. Um, I did think he looked like a little bit like lost positionally at times, like maybe running a bit more than he had to. And I talk about Drewsi seeming like he runs in straight lines and is just always in the right spot, and Valencia seemed to be kind of running in very wiggledy waggledy lines all over the field. But I think that'll come. Like he's just needs to settle into the system, settle into the positioning of, of where he needs to be in that system. Uh, but I, I think he's going to be good. I'm excited to see what he can turn into over the the span of the next month or two. Uh, anything else you want
0: to cover on the Atlas game? No, I think that, I think that was a, that was about it. I mean, they looked,
1: they looked pretty good. I mean, it was hard to tell from a preseason game, right? But, uh, but they looked. I thought the decently. the intensity Stood was okay. good in it, though. Like both teams seemed like they were like fighting for it. Yeah, yeah. It was it was better. It was better soccer than I would be worried about from just like a just like a midweek preseason match for sure. All right, and then the next preseason game and the final preseason game was against the Chicago Fire. Uh, there are a few teams kind of uh putting up a residency at St. David's Performance Center, so it's the fire and Toronto were both there for uh, a few weeks, two or three weeks. And then I found this out on Saturday while we were at the game. Chris Bills told me that uh, sporting Kansas city had also been there for a few days and they just kind of came in to play a game or two. And he said that. And then a few minutes later I look over to the side and Peter Vermes, SKC coach is standing <laughs> like 10 feet from us. Like, Oh yep, yeah, they're still here. And there they are. Um, Speaking of celebrity sightings, I also saw uh, Sheridan Shakiri was there. He did not play. I think he got there like two days before or something. So he was just wearing flats and kind of standing on the sideline. But he is as as short and quadrilateral as I <laughs> expected him to be. Yeah.
0: Was he, did you get to see his calves or were they? was he like wearing pants? Or he was, was wearing
1: that? pants, so I didn't get a good look, unfortunately. But I'm sure they're the size of my thighs.
0: Probably so. Hey, speaking of that just shakiri's calves remind me do we have another bonus
1: show coming this week we do okay uh i i i teased this on twitter saying that we're making up for this show being a day late with releasing a second episode um it's not a second episode of moon tower soccer but it's going to be the second ever episode of swoon tower soccer uh we're planning on releasing that on friday and then the following week, we're gonna have some uh, listener interaction stuff on social media. So, uh, we've already recorded this, and it was a lot of fun. So, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. All right. awesome.
0: I, d- I doubt Shakiri came up in that, but I thought I couldn't. I couldn't uh, <laughs> let that moment pass without bringing it up. So, you know, we didn't get to. We had, uh, I think, Chris Bill's live like live blog this match on the Striker site. We had a few people on Verde Hill. Um, you know, not a ton, but I mean, it's a decent little crowd. You, know, you were there so like what did you, what was your observation
1: of that chicago match uh yeah so after the atlas match wolf said that like kind of the plan was to play the second team on that night against atlas and then on saturday that who we see as the the starters right now would go 90 against chicago and so that's what we saw was who Will very likely be the starters. Maybe a few changes. Uh, So the lineup against Chicago was Stuvering goal, and then Lima, Cascante, Romagna, uh, Kolmanich, Danny Pereira at the six, Ring and Drusi as the dual eights, and then Cecilio on the left, Uruti up top, and Diego on the right. So. We had been predicting that maybe Kip Keller would be starting against Cincinnati. He was not dressed on uh, on Saturday against the fire. Um, we asked Wolf about it after the game. He said that it was a high ankle sprain. Um, I was watching him after. He wasn't limping or anything, so it didn't look super serious. I believe today Chris Bills was at training and tweeted out that uh, that. Keller was training with the team and looked like, like if, if Kip had to, or sorry, if Chris had to make an assessment, he said he looked like he's a guy who could play on Saturday if he needed to. Yeah, it's good Um, to hear. The other, yeah, I guess the other question mark was at the six, whether or not Valencia is going to be ready to go. Uh, We saw Danny Pereira start uh, this game. So what it ended up being is for the most part, the starting 11 from the end of last season plus Ruti. Um, and maybe that's the reason why the game ended up the way it did, but it seemed very much like a game from last season, (laughs) like not a lot of super dangerous possession, um, some pretty like, uh, like absent minded defensive mistakes from especially Romagna, but also some from Kolmanich. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't a great game. It wasn't terrible either, but it wasn't great. So the, this, so I just had this
0: quote that I, I think I got out of a, the Bill's article that says that, uh, Austin FC got caught napping on Saturday and Gaston Jimenez scored from beyond midfield in the third minute. So can you talk about that goal? Were you out there when it happened?
1: And like, what was it? Yeah. So it like, what happened is they caught Brad Stuver sleeping, and also caught me sleeping a little bit because I barely saw it out of the corner of my eye. But there's like a foul on like Chicago's defensive half of the center line, and they were setting up for a free kick. And all of a sudden, Jimenez takes it and just blasts it. And Stuver's off his line trying to organize the the defense and doesn't see it coming, goes over his head and into the back of the net. So. Uh, really well struck to get it in from there but um stuver should have been paying better attention to save it yes yeah, so that 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 was the basically
0: the only goal not basically that was the only goal in the whole evening And i know um just from reading like chris's article they just seemed like kind of and i think in josh's comments too afterwards they just seemed kind of kind of slow and you know not moving with intention like you said and it's kind of a painful call back to 2021 so hopefully that was just now we'll go back to not reading anything in the preseason and just assume that things will be better when the regular season starts.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of what you'll want to get out of that game is fitness. And so um, everybody went 90 except for Romagna. He came off at the 65th minute and Gabrielson came out and got 15 minutes. So I think there's, that's that's a good thing to take away from it is that these guys got 90 minutes under their belt and hopefully we'll all be ready to go, uh, go the full game on Saturday.
0: Yeah. We didn't talk about this in the Atlas game, but what did you think about Romagna staying on there? So after
1: that game, Wolf was talking about it, like it was like minor cramps and that the way he was talking about it was essentially like, it's a fitness thing and Romagna needs to push through it. And so in seeing him start against Chicago, you could tell it wasn't a serious injury. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's just saying, okay, you're out of shape. you need to get in shape if you're gonna play. So yeah he he but he went he went 65 and then came out and it he didn't seem like he was hurting against Chicago. I think they really just wanted to get Gabrielson on. Oh that make, that makes sense. So we we
0: covered I think there were three players that Wolf talked about in the post So We talked about Keller, we talked about Romagna and then uh, Musajite was also out and I think he was what dealing with some kind of family
1: issue, but then we've also seen him back. That's right. Yeah. He, he was, uh, he was out there at the facility, but he was in like civilian clothes and in like flip-flops essentially, and was on the phone a lot of the time while we were out there. And then after the game, me and Chris Bills walked out together and he was out in the parking lot, still on the phone. And so it seemed like there was some sort of like family crisis, but then on Sunday or Monday we saw GT um, post a photo on Instagram Instagram. and say like, like everything's okay now or something. And then all the teammates flooding the comments, like with little hearts and, and, uh, words of encouragement. So hopefully everything is, is okay with his family, but it seems like, uh, he's back in training and hopefully he'll be ready to go, uh, whenever we need him. Um, we didn't really talk about Gabrielson on the field at all. And I'd like to touch on that a little bit. Um, we didn't see 15 minutes. It's hard to judge much, but uh, it was what kind of what I expected to see. Confident on the ball, uh, pretty good athlete. He is big. Um, <laughs> he's he's like not super tall. I think he's like six one. He's but like out on the field next to Julio. I think everyone listening probably has a good gauge of how big Julio Cascante is. He looks very similar height to Julio. But his upper body is just like triangle shaped. And just like so much like broader in the shoulders and in the chest than Julio is. He looks like a monster out there. And um, so there's Casper Shabilko plays for the fire now. And he's a really tall, like a big striker. And he was out there next to him, and it was he's he's gonna be a force physically. Hopefully his performances go along with that, but he's a a stout dude. Yeah, and that gives us a really Strong,
0: like that's all the center backs, right? I mean, Romagna's huge. We saw that. Did you see that like a uh, photo of Keller like in the air, like skying over some guy and throwing an elbow into his head or whatever from one of the earlier matches? So, I feel yeah, like we have a real serious sense of physical presence
1: among the center backs. Yeah, if Kip Keller's the skinny guy in the group, <laughs> yeah. then <laughs> yeah, you're in good shape. Uh, but there's one really great moment where, uh, I, I think. In the little the press availability afterwards, like Ruben's gonna be fun. Like he's gonna be a character. I think the fans are really gonna like him. But there was one moment where um Chicago was setting up for a corner or like a, a set piece, and Gabrielson was like a few yards away from Casper Shabilko. And I don't I don't know if he was like letting him know like Hey, I'm behind you and I'm marking you. like I just want you to know I'm here or if he was just like messing with him, but he just took two steps up and then just shoved Shabilko in the back and then took two steps back to where he was and then just got ready to defend the play. but I, <laughs> I just like the being that close to the field was really cool because we could hear everything that Stuver was saying to the defense and what all the players were saying to each other. But then just to see all like the the stuff that goes on between players like that, like it was it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that's really that's really cool. That you got to go got to go down and do that. Um, so how many there were? What four or five media folks there? Didn't look at like, the post game. It didn't look like, didn't look like there were a ton
1: there. Yeah, there was only uh, um, Joe from the Fox station, and then Jorge Iturralde, and me, and Chris. And uh, the reason being was UT basketball was playing at oh, the gotcha. same time, and so most of like the mainstream media was at that game instead. All right, well, let's talk about the most MLS
0: trade that we're going to talk about this year. <laughs> this is last Wednesday, and we're going to actually mention this guy's name in, in the uh, the draft, but Austin FC announced on Wednesday the club agreed to a trade with Minnesota United. They received 50000 in 2022 GAM and 50000 in 2023 GAM from Minnesota in exchange for the discovery rights to Honduran midfielder Kervin Arriaga, which this is a rumor we talked about um, I mean, I just—it's weird, but do we have plans for this money? I guess it's the real question. I mean, hundred thousand in GAM is a little bit of
1: funds to do something. Yeah, I mean, I think we, you and I both kind of had the instinct that they do have plans for it this season, either now or over the summer. But uh, Claudio Reyna did. Uh, a press availability where he kind of cleared that up a little bit, right? Yeah, that, that's this. Yeah,
0: I really just wanted to mention that because it's one of these weird things that only happens in our league, but then it also leads into this
1: you know, if you. And we're not going to get into discovery rights. Right, and, right, right. right you no, know, right. we're, we're not doing that today. You can <laughs> Google it. <laughs>
0: but that does lead into the, you know, we seem to be stockpiling Garber Bucks for some reason, and we heard from Claudio finally what that might be. Uh, yeah,
1: so he's he explicitly said that it will likely be a left back and we've got like we're looking at a few guys uh explicitly mentioned that we're looking at loan options. And I think he kind of went on to say like talking about the loan option that like being careful about flexibility. And so I don't think they want to get locked into something that's going to hinder uh future flexibility in their roster build. Um but yeah, it it looks like they're looking to get a left back on loan, like now, like before. is, yeah. it, is May May the uh, the trade deadline? Yeah, that's
0: what he said. So they want to bring another player. There, what well, not? There's a chance for be bringing another player. Then he talked about the loan option, and he did also talk about uh, the international using the international slot. And I think that just makes sense. You know, last year, what we had, we brought in three players on loan. This to this point about roster flexibility, because John Kolmnich was the loan player, correct? yeah um that one that one worked out but then what sebastian Burhalter and many Paris. many Perez are both loan options it didn't work out so i mean if you if you can have this sort of trial
1: um time with the player it seems like it makes a lot of sense for the club yeah i mean I, you see like that kind of move becoming more popular all over the world in soccer but i think it especially makes sense in mls where um the margin for error is very slim with, with bigger signings. And so if you can get us like a preview of him for a year before having to spend that money, it's, I think that's a really smart move.
0: Yep. And then they also, there was some discussion of uh, Josh Wolf in this um, and Raina sort of, um, I guess more than anything, just showed his support for Josh Wolf and belief that, that we're doing the right thing. Said, He's unpleased to see the style of play we have, his commitment to preparation every single week. Um, talked about him remaining calm um, and just talked talk, talk about belief in Josh and belief in the system. So I think, I mean, I would expect him to say nothing else, but I feel like it was a pretty good vote of confidence from Claudio for Josh uh, in that press availability.
1: Yeah, I also, I liked what he went on to say after that as well, where he actually named some things like these are some things that Josh probably did wrong and he needs to get better at. um, Like, the first part would maybe come across as disingenuous to some people, right? Right. But he actually went on to say, like, these are some things that he needed to improve on and that we think he's going to. And he mentioned that, like, Wolf put a lot of focus on how he wanted to attack, but was probably, like, maybe ignored the defensive part a little bit of it. And, like, in transition and things like that. And those are things that um, that he's hoping to improve. And actually after, so after the Chicago match, I asked Wolf, Wolf was available to the media for a few minutes as well. And I asked him about the wings. We talked about last week, how the wingers have been staying really high and wide in these, uh, in these preseason games. And Wolf mentioned that, that it's about like what they're trying to do in transition, a lot of what he's trying to get out of that. And so instead of the wingers coming inside and the fullbacks overlapping, the wingers will stay high and wide and the fullbacks will kind of their ending position will be a little bit more inside and a little bit deeper and that his reasoning for that is defensive transition that if we give up the ball in that attacking position that there's guys in position to to step up and kind of counterpress those moments so um i i think that's encouraging to me we'll see if if it all works but i think a lot of people had the question like is wolf going to like is he humble enough to learn from his mistakes from last year. And it seems like at least on a tactical front that he is a, at least a little bit willing to, to change things up and do things a little bit differently.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. And we, and the, uh, the other thing Marina talked about that I think we should look to is, um, you know, the mentality and Raina said, you know, last year if we went down to goal, you could see heads drop. That can't happen this year. And I think, I mean, we've seen sort of some of the aspects of that, right? Like with the team bonding and things like that with Wolf. So hopefully we'll see that that too, that sort of like getting a little bit of tactics and, um, and like sort of getting into the more of the people side of coaching, which I think you can do yeah. once you get the tactics down.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it all feel, feeds into each other, right? Like man management is easier whenever you're scoring goals and winning games. Probably. Right, right, right. Well let's uh I think we've covered that. Let's take a break and then we'll talk about Cincinnati. Uh yeah, we actually didn't mention what we are gonna be doing with Phil at the top of the show. Oh, darn it. Uh, yes. But we're gonna be joined by Phil West here in a little bit and we're gonna do an MLS team fantasy draft where uh Phil, Jeremiah, and I are each gonna pick seven teams and then at the end of the season whoever's collection of teams has the highest point total win this competition, but we'll do, uh, we're going to take a break and we'll come back and we're going to do a preview for the home opener against FC Cincinnati. And then we'll also have Phil join us to do our MLS team draft. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Moon Tower soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to fvf.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fvf.law. All right, we are back, and we are going to preview Austin FC's first regular season game at Q2 Stadium against FC Cincinnati. So, uh, Jeremiah, it's become kind of a common refrain on this show. At least we're not Cincinnati. Uh, so why, why, why do we always say that? Well, Cincinnati is managed to be the
0: worst team in the league in terms of points per game, all of their three seasons in existence. So 1920 and 2021, they had, they had the lowest, they were the, they were the, like, they were what? 24th out of 24, 26th out of 26 and 27 out of 27 in points per game. And the thing that you've did you talk about is they also are an example of like spending a whole bunch of money at no purpose and you know and why we should all be patient and um have a and trust claudio and trust the process and a roster bill because throwing a whole bunch of money at
1: things does not always work out yes very much so so uh the last place finisher in mls I didn't, I don't, I don't know that I realized this was a real thing, but I've always heard it referred to as the wooden spoon. But you just told me a bit ago that there is actually a wooden spoon. Yeah. So, wooden spoon is a term that applies to many sports that is
0: for the worst team in the league. But the uh, independent supporters castle ha- hands out an Anthony J. Precourt Jr. wooden spoon every year <laughs> to the worst team in the league in honor of the owner of Austin FC once the whole, uh, columbus thing came out and cincinnati has been the winner of it i think in 19 they didn't award it in 20 because of covid and in 2021 so they are definitely uh regular contributors to the wooden spoon and then the other thing that i think ties into that is like skyline chili what
1: is that and have you ever had it i've not i've never been to ohio um and i is like Chili that they put on spaghetti noodles. is Am, am I getting that there's right? There's some kind of meat and cheese in it too. I don't really understand it either, but it seems like awful.
0: <laughs> that's a very that's a very common thing that Los Verde Slack talk about as being sort of a terrible thing. And the other thing that drives home the point about how bad Cincinnati has been, this is a fun fact that I think Phil West dug up, I got this from the Striker Texas preview, is the all-time record for most goals allowed in an MLS season is FC Cincinnati in 2019 with 75. The second most is 2021 Cincinnati, which is tied with 2018 Orlando, which allowed 74. (laughs) Then the 2020 team played 16 matches and gave up 36 goals. And if you were to extrapolate that over the course of a season, they would have actually been worse in terms of gold (laughs) allowed than either the worst team of all time, which is the 19 team, or the second worst is the 21. So all that to say, Cincinnati is really the worst possible example. Of how you launch an MLS franchise, but despite that, they get like what 20, 24, 25,000 fans a game. Like it's amazing the support that they have. Yeah, and so hopefully some of those people will come down and have a good time in Austin because I really, I like I feel for them. The fact that they have like such an engaged and committed fan base, despite all these awful things we've talked about in terms of on field results.
1: Yeah, the the fan base got the shiny new stadium this last season to kind of uh, maybe help continue their excitement, but you've. You have to think that that's not going to last forever if, if results continue this way, right? Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would think not. So last year they had a negative
0: thirty-seven goal differential, and then this year, uh, their GM has already said that they're not going to enter the season as a finished product, and that the team on the field versus Austin is not the team that they expect to have. So they just do not seem to be moving like in a really good direction. I, I don't know how much you've looked into them, but that's that's what I got out of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, kind of going off of just what I know a little bit about the team, but I'm not going to pretend to be an expert here. Going off of uh, MLSsoccer.com's kind of season previews, um, they added Alec Kahn, who was uh, Atlanta's backup goalkeeper the last year or two and was pr- considered like a starting level goalkeeper and did well for Atlanta when he was called upon. So they've had kind of a string of notoriously bad goalkeepers. And so uh, that should be an upgrade and then Ray Gaddis came out of retirement. I do. You, did you see how old Ray Gaddis is? Isn't he like thirty six or something? He's yeah. He's definitely up there. <clears throat> but he came out of retirement. And is going to be playing for Cincinnati now. I don't. I don't know how much he still has in the tank. But he was good. Did Did he play last season? No, I don't think he played last season. I think he, so I he, think sat, he sat out, out a full year. year. Yeah. The last The last season that he played, he was. He still was a good a good MLS player. So, uh he should help out their defense a little bit as well. Um aside from that, I mean, Lucho Acosta is very good uh, attacking midfielder. He's been he's been very good for them. Scored lots of goals, been very productive, but it was not enough to make up for those goal differentials, like all the goals they are giving up. I mean, do we think I I, I don't I don't see a lot of evidence here that Cincinnati is going to be a lot better than they were last year.
0: I don't see that going into this year. I mean, I think the fact that they went out and sort of recruited a front office from the Philadelphia Union probably shows that like long term, there's some potential. But for game one for Austin for 2022, there's no reason to think that we shouldn't pick up a win at home.
1: Yeah, those guys have been there for like a month or two, right? So right, they're not right. Turn the team around? Not, not now. I'm mean, thinking now. like 2023,
0: 2024. Yeah. I think they made the right moves as opposed to you know throwing a whole bunch of cash at some internationals. But for this season, no, I think they're kind of as sunk as they were before. And I think the biggest thing they have going for them is Charlotte seems to have really botched their uh, start to being a, an expansion franchise, and they they both play in the Eastern Conference. So maybe Cincinnati will not win the Wooden Spoon this year despite virtue of Charlotte being
1: even worse. <laughs> um, so looking ahead to how Austin will kind of line up against them, I think one of the questions, and we kind of touched on this earlier, is whether uh, Danny Pereira or Johan Valencia will start at that sixth spot. Um, I think Valencia, I mean, judging by what we saw against Chicago, Danny started with that, starting, with that, with that group. Valencia did not even come on, and so... I already kind of suspected that Pereira would start just to give Valencia some time to get settled in. Um, But I think this game is actually set up pretty well for Danny to play, Uh, just judging by how well he did against kind of a weak Houston midfield. I think Cincinnati's midfield is going to be similarly defensively weak, at least. Uh, Harris Madunyanin is kind of their holding midfielder. He's had some really good seasons in this league, but I think he's also 36 now. And so um, maybe losing a little bit of his legs there. But it, the way Danny kind of danced through that midfield and progressed the ball against Houston, I'm really hoping that he can do that against Cincinnati as well. And if he can, I think it would be a, a really good sign uh, for this matchup. And then I guess another one of the questions is at center back. So uh I don't know. Do you think Keller will start? Do you think he'll be back that fast from that injury?
0: I think if he's in training and he's got a few more days, and if he's healthy, I mean, he seems like the guy. He, Josh seems to trust him for whatever reason. In a way that he didn't with a lot of the with a lot of the rookies last year. So I could absolutely see Keller starting. I think that I think I think he's he's our. I think if I was going to start at best eleven, he's in my best eleven right now among the players we have
1: healthy. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I hope he does start. And like it's I'm the one who said a couple of episodes ago, like, we gotta be careful and not get too hyped on this guy, but I, I think he's our best center back until Gabrielson's ready to go. Um but and like we surely we're not gonna see Gabrielson on Saturday, right? I don't think we'll see him start. And I don't, I don't even see I don't even think
0: I would be surprised if we see him at all. If Keller's healthy, I would be surprised if we see him at all. Yeah, like if it's Keller's yeah, healthy, I mean, then you you you've got Cascante to bring off the bench. Who's got some, you know? I just, and, or you may not even to bring anybody. You may not even need to bring anybody in. But I don't think we see Gabrielsson this week as long if everything turns out the way that it should.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. And then uh, center forward, I think there's been a little bit of debate, but I think it's pretty clear now that Aruti is the guy until Gite proves otherwise, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And let me unless for the first game, at least. I guess if Rudy can probably play himself out of the position, too. That would yeah, be, very disapp- very, be a
1: very disappointing start of the season for a guy we added. But
0: I think it's, it's on GTA to prove his worth at this point.
1: Yeah, so uh, the other day, I tweeted out what I saw as being the starting 11. And it's, it's the guys we just talked about. Um, and Chris Wellhausen asked a question on that thread saying like essentially but who who makes your bench? Like who makes the bench out of this group? And that's a question that had never even crossed my mind. And the reason is because it was not a question that we got to ask last season because we never had enough players to fill an entire bench. I don't th- was there any moment last season where we had enough guys to fill out an entire bench? Well, that yeah, that were like worth having around. I don't think so. So but for maybe those
0: people that don't don't know so you're going to like you dress 18
1: uh it's 20 you get nine bench okay players. So nine, nine bench players so 11 okay. starters nine bench players and one of them's got to um, be one of them's
0: got to be a keeper right i mean that makes sense right. that you've got eight field players and i mean our best eight field players that's actually going to be a debate this year
1: yeah it's i was i pulled up the roster earlier and was trying to pick my bench essentially, and it's tough. What what? So let me tell you the guys that I ended up leaving off here. So Owen Wolf, uh, Danny Hooson, Will Pulisic, Rodney Redes, Freddie Kleeman, Damian Loss, and then there's one more that will have to be left off. And the ones that I thought might be the most likely candidates, if there are no injuries or anything, but Jared Stroud, John Gallagher, Hector Jimenez, like like a name that started a lot of games last year could potentially not make not the match make the day bench. roster. Yeah. We should feel good about that. I think that's the biggest thing about this off season.
0: It's just the depth that we've built. Another thing that, uh, that ties into that is I went back and looked at the uh, first day starting lineup against LAFC last year. And I, th- I think maybe we tweeted this, but there are, you know, I think there's like a sense that we didn't add a lot of high end players, but there are what five guys that were on the starting lineup last year that aren't in the starting lineup this year. And some of those guys are people you just talked about. It's like people who might even might not even make the game day roster. Like Hooson was a starter, Redis was a starter, Pochettino was a starter, he's gone. Sweat was, he's gone. And Beasler was, and he's retired. So I mean that's I mean that's a pretty good example of how
1: this roster has turned over significantly in just one season. Yeah, I mean you could say some of these are sideways moves, but um some of them are very much so like improvements and then the guys behind all of these people are improvements definitely better yep all right so what are do you you have plans made for for saturday already jeremiah i think for
0: saturday we're just gonna well we're gonna take the train down and go to hop squad get there a couple hours early maybe go bother the people in 108 who win our tickets (laughs) um and i know there will be a March to the match, and the TIFO is going to be pretty awesome, which I think we've talked about the last couple of weeks, so I would encourage people to get there early and check all that out. How about you?
1: Uh, I don't have a firm plan yet. I think I'm supposed to have a soccer game that day, uh, and I don't know what time it is, but it's also going to be like in the 40s and freezing rain, so we'll see if that happens or if I'm uh, available to play. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, I I do. I plan on doing the same thing. I want to try to get over to hop squad at least a little bit before the game and then get into the stadium in time to get settled in and and watch the TIFO ceremony and all that.
0: Yeah, that's going to be great. It's going to be good. It's good to do again. It'll be fun next week to be able to talk about actual results. Um, And it's just it's awesome to have the club back up and going. Hopefully our optimism lasts through next week. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I know we had those with us weeks last year you know we were like oh geez you know it's like three losses you know three loss week how are we going to find a way to talk about it again like let's hopeful
1: that doesn't start earlier this year <laughs> yeah all right well i think we can uh move on to our mls fantasy team draft with phil west is there anything else we need to cover before we do that no let's go ahead and talk to phil all right we'll be right back with phil west i ain't got no time
2: to let you
1: We are back with uh, what has now become a tradition is this three or four years in a row that we've had who has become our incorrigible uncle of Moon Tower Soccer, Phil West. Phil, thanks for joining us.
2: I am so happy to be here. Ever since I conceived kind of what we're going to do here about three months ago, I've been like looking forward to this day. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't, know if, I don't know if that makes me pathetic or just like a, a big fan or uh, maybe a little bit of
1: both. What, t- t- tell it, the listeners what your wife said to you. I was just going to, yeah, as,
2: as I was as I was leaving, explaining what we were doing, my wife said, that sounds fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> not, not for a normal person, but, right, for, the, exactly.
1: but for you not, and your
2: deranged friends. Not sounds for like the general public, do, but... <laughs> for Phil West. <laughs> total MLS uh, so, nerd.
1: So normally when we have Phil on, uh, it's the beginning of the MLS season and the idea is to kind of give a preview for the season. And so this year Phil had this idea of doing it a little bit differently. So Phil, do you want to tell the listeners exactly what we're going to be doing here?
2: Yeah. You're going to, you're going to hear us do a draft. <laughs> and what we're going to do is um, there's 28 teams in MLS this year with Charlotte coming on board. Um, so we're each going to pick seven teams and it's a snake draft. So we pre-ordain the order. Landon's going first. I'm going second. No, Jeremiah's going first. I'm going second. Landon's going then third and fourth. I'm going fifth. Jeremiah's going sixth, etc. And the, the person with the most points at the end of the season wins. And there is a chance that the leftovers team could be one or more of us, depending on how things go, but that's probably not going to happen because the the leftovers is obviously going to be teams 22 through 28. Um, So if you are a fan of one of those teams, you do not, you want us to, to pick you. You don't want to be one of the leftover teams is essentially how that works. So like, for example, if Seattle accumulates like 62 points during the regular season then whoever drafts Seattle gets 62 points towards the total. And we'll, we'll tabulate throughout the year. And I guess if we do like a playoff show um maybe we'll, we'll let y'all know who, who won at that point. Right.
1: Yeah. We'll have to revisit it at the end of the end of the season and exactly see who won. Maybe we'll come up with a prize or something for it or like some kind of wager uh, yeah. after the fact here. Um, I think if the Leftovers
2: team beats you, you have to do a hot wings challenge.
1: <laughs> there should definitely be one of those. And I think don't you still owe
0: Mark Bay a hot wings challenge? I, I do,
2: but um I, I don't know if now that the team that he covers is now no longer here. If I still need to go through with it, I mean, I'll pay up at some point. I just, I have to, I, I do not have a time in, in my schedule like right now, currently to to ruin my insides. So yeah, I sure, pencil Phil, that sure. into my calendar. So we'll we'll see. I will I will hit that at some point. I mean, I, I kind of feel like I, I paid it back when we uh when we did the training you know, that was, that was kind of epically <laughs> bad. So, I mean, if, if people were wanting the loser to to suffer, then I, I think that already happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into
1: the 2022 moon tower soccer MLS team draft with the first pick. We have our very own Jeremiah Bentley. Oh, and Phil definitely spotlighted the
0: first pick. I'm going with the consistency year over year. The Seattle Sounders are pick one in this draft. All
2: right. As we like to say, push the Sounders button until the Sounders button stops working. (laughs) Last year's playoffs, notwithstanding.
1: All right. So Jeremiah takes the Sounders, um, which is now noted on our handy dandy document that Phil put together for us. Uh, Pick number two, Phil West. Oh, man, this is really tough.
2: Um I am torn between two teams, but I think I am going to go with the current MLS Cup champions, New York City FC, who I think is going to be really, really solid this year Um, again. Tati might leave midseason, but Tyus Magno is there to plug in. I feel good about that pick.
1: Tati might score ten goals before he leaves, though. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, that was actually on the top of my board as well. I was hoping you'd go with someone else, um, but since you didn't, so I'm <laughs> I'm gonna get the third and fourth picks. Correct. Yeah, we're doing it snake style. Okay, we are. With my third pick, I'm gonna take the New England Revolution. Uh, they've not they were amazing last year and haven't seemed to gotten worse and maybe even got better. So. We'll stick with that. And then for fourth, y'all tell me if this is like, is this like a chalk pick or is this a little bit controversial, but I'm going to go with Nashville.
2: I was torn between Nashville and NYC. So yeah, I think that's a really solid pick. The only thing that I'm worried about is their kind of long road trip. And the fact that they had what, like 18 draws last season. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think I think they're gonna be good. I think they're gonna party through the West once they once they get the uh the the bulk of the latter part of the season at home. So yeah, I think that's the pick.
1: Yeah, I mean after I would s I would say after like the third pick, I don't know that there's any teams that you can guarantee you're gonna have a really high points total. And I feel like guarantee, like as far as guarantees go, I feel pretty confident that Nashville is going to have a relatively high points total. Maybe not new england last year but they're gonna have a good points total and like Mm -hmm. i don't i did not don't have that confidence in any other team in the league after these first four really yeah that makes sense
2: i have confidence in one more team and luckily it is my pick so i am going to be on brand and go with the talent glut that is atlanta united in the five spot
0: phil that feels that feels very phil i do (laughs) (laughs) We could review these past shows, and I feel like you've had Atlanta above wherever Atlanta finished every year. Which
2: (laughs) exactly, but we um, actually—I have them pick lower personally than um, we collectively did for the Striker Texas for the previews that we're doing. So, which might might give a little bit away in terms of uh, you know what we're what we're going to be revealing um, in the last few days here.
0: All right, all right, I'm gonna go. I've got the six pick here, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. six and seven. Six and seven. So at six, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Union. Good
2: pick.
0: Who have been consistent. And I love that Nashville pick too, Landon. That was going to be my pick if it got to me. And then I'm going to stay in the Pacific Northwest and go with the Portland Timbers. All right. So I'm really going to be very Cascadia. We'll see yeah. if Vancouver makes the makes the lineup or not, but I'll take uh, Portland. Portland's picking kind of
2: Portland
1: weird... one this year, right? like
2: yeah portland i was gonna say is very on brand for jeremiah as well but it's like it's like they it doesn't
1: look like they're necessarily going to be a powerhouse but they're always good and so you hate to doubt them too and so yeah um and then philadelphia they've they've lost quite a few players and then but have gained a few and like but i like again i trust in jim Curtin there and i think that they're going to be good regardless of Who's there? Because they have been the last few yeah. years.
2: Even yeah, even minus Shabilko and minus Montero, um, I think they're still going to be good.
1: And they have what? They have two new designated players. Is that right? Yeah, they brought in. A, I believe he's a striker. Ura. He's mm-hmm. some type of forward. I don't know exactly what position he plays. Um, but the the folks they've brought in are pretty highly regarded. And then kind of the core of the rest of the team is still there. All right, Phil, with pick eight. Oh man, this is
2: tough. Um, I didn't think they were still gonna be on the board at this point, and it's a little bit of a flyer, it's gonna be a big jump. Um, but I'm gonna be a big believer in Insigne, and I'm going to pick Toronto FC. Oh wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold one, Phil. I know. Um, I think I'm you going might, big, yeah. I think you might get leftovers with that one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, I All think right. they're gonna be really good. Yeah, I'm just I'm also yeah, I'm also I'm also looking at the the two teams I have around them and I I may I may have instantly regretted this decision, like um <laughs> like anchor man jumping into the bear pit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, I've got picks nine and ten and this section of my of my big board that I made is pretty murky, but uh again, not necessarily one that I think is gonna have a super high point soul, but I think I'm pretty confident we'll have decent is nobody's picked them. Right. Yeah. Colorado. I'm taking Colorado. Oh, the wraps. Okay.
0: I I thought Phil might pick them just to say wraps, but I guess (laughs) you can say it in response
2: to anybody else's pick. So that works. I feel Um, like that's about, I don't know, maybe, maybe six picks too high, but. I don't know. I think they're one of the ones like,
1: as far as like the variance of mm -hmm. like the range that I think they'll end up in.
2: It's pretty broad. Yeah, but they like won, Fraser won the yeah West Fraser last was such <laughs> Fra- yeah they did win the West last year, but that was a surprise. Like Fraser is a really good coach, but also they have no DPS right
0: and no sponsor. Is that right? I they, didn't they lose our Jer- jersey know. sponsor too?
2: I don't know, <laughs> but I think so. Yeah, that's that's always tremendous.
1: Yeah, this one looking at like the like all the MLS pundits. Some people had the Rapids super high. Some of them had them super low. I'm going to have Faith and Robin Fraser and take them high. And then for the next one, mm, I'm going to take another risk, and I'm going to go with Orlando City.
2: Mm, okay. well, that becomes- um,
1: they've lost some pieces, but I, I like some of the pieces they brought in. And some of the guys they brought in last year are uh, on track to have the – the David Goss bounce, like the, like the David Goss theorem, that second year players will do much better. And they brought in some pretty talented guys last season that I think could be good this year. So we'll see Mm -hmm. what they do. Okay. All right, Phil with 11.
2: Yeah. I'm surprised they have dropped this far, given their consistency throughout the years, having only missed the playoffs once in the past 11 years. I think you know who I'm talking about. Um, these guys right here, Sporting <laughs> Kansas City. Sporting KC. <laughs> I have an yeah. SKC koozie currently. <laughs> that I'm drinking a beer out of. So, um so that was a reminder to pick them. They're also pretty high on my list. Again, I mean Polito's hurt, but at the same time, they have a really strong lineup. And Vermees just knows this league in and out. And they're always consistently top three, top four. So yeah, R- Russell and
1: you are so good. Their midfielders mm-hmm. are really good. So. Uh, the, the Polito thing makes me nervous. Like, I don't know if I like, I like Kyrie Shelton, but I don't know if I necessarily trust him to do a lot up there, but maybe he doesn't have to with the rest of those guys scoring goals. So
2: exactly. And I mean, they didn't have Polito a whole lot last year either, did they? So, I mean, it doesn't seem like it would really make a difference. And I mean, they still, they were still the three seed and you know, they still kind of did their thing.
1: All right, Jeremiah.
0: All right. At 12, I'm going to, I'm going to take a risk. Cause they've made a lot of changes during the off season and take my boyhood club. Yeah. Los Angeles, Los Angeles football club. They added Kellen Acosta, Ryan Hollingshead recently. Oh, yeah. Somehow. And a bunch of other guys and had a coaching change. And so I'm going to somehow trust that some sense of better play comes out of that chaos. That feels like a good pick. Yeah.
1: That, that feels, was, that it was strong. between them and Orlando for me. And I'm like a little bit, I don't know. A little bit regretful. Maybe I didn't take them, but hopefully I did the right choice.
2: (laughs) I mean, they had such an underperforming season last year, but it doesn't seem like they would necessarily do that two years in a row. They're a brand new coach. The roster is
1: just so good. Like talent wise, if Vela can have half a halfway good season, if Brian Rodriguez can have half a good season, they're going to be a really good team.
2: Mm -hmm. And those first year coaches tend to do really well, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah. good luck Steve Chardala. <laughs> the weight of the world is on uh, your shoulders.
1: Jeremiah again with 13. I'm back at
0: 13. And I'll go with a club that's been pretty, pretty consistent and go with Minnesota United at 13, Ooh, okay. all right? Um they seem to be, you know, a pretty decent regular season team at least and I mean, I've got faith in them. I guess the if we've got the cur- what, Curvin Ariaga experience here to add to <laughs> that, right, Phil? <laughs> <laughs>
2: How do you spell that? K-E-V-I-N.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: Good job. <laughs> All right. So 14. Oh, wonderful. Um, I was hoping that they would drop to me, and they have. This is also incredibly on brand for me. Um, I'm taking the white cap Cougars, oh, as man. my brother calls them. Oh, yeah. And it's that's the thing, like with the striker. I mean, like I I had them fourth in the West in, in my forecasting, and two of my colleagues had them 13th. So people are just kind of all over the place about what they're going to be like, but I, th- I think they're really strong. I think a full season of Brian gold is going to be incredible. And I think they're building a good team. Um, I almost, when I, when you were talking about LAFC, I didn't want to jinx the Vancouver pick. Um, LAFC also did, did get Maxine Carpeau, um, their goalkeeper, who is one of the probably five best goalkeepers in MLS. So um, again, it's up to um, Thomas Assal to see kind of what he can do in a full season, but I'm going to have faith in Manny Sartini. So
0: I mean, Vanny Sartini by himself. It's just good for the league. <laughs> oh, it's so free. good. Yeah,
2: yeah. I I I love that, man. So, yep. So I have uh, I have two or three uh, Canadian teams at this point.
1: That's really who I wanted with this pick, Phil, was Vancouver. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, man. <laughs> Are you going to make me pick the crew, Phil?
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: I'm not going to do it That seems the yet. obvious choice. I might yeah. do it next, but I'm going to take the Galaxy with this pick. Oh. They might give up a million goals, but they might score a million
2: too. Mm-hmm. So and You can't spell Landon without LA. So <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Uh,
1: and then 16. So the next two on my big board, to show mm-hmm. my, my hand a little here, is the crew and FC Dallas. Oh. But I don't really want to pick either of them.
2: Of all the teams you can pick as, as an Austin fan, those are, those are probably the two least appealing.
1: I am going to. I'm going to go against my better judgment and I'm going to take the artist formerly known as the Montreal impact. Ah. so all
0: the
2: Canadian teams are off the board.
0: I was excited because I thought they might fall to 18 because I didn't think Phil was gonna would take all three Canadian teams, but that was definitely gonna be pick picking this round <laughs> if I had the
2: shot. So no no Texas teams have been taken yet. All three Canadian teams have been taken.
1: Let's see how many Texas teams get taken at all. Exactly.
2: Well, one is about to be taken. Um yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Dallas between yeah, between them and the crew. Um for me, Ariola kind of tips it. I mean, he's just such a good consummate mls player and i mean again nico stevez is another first year coach but i think that they've got enough of a structure there with the team where i mean again last year was weird um i think they're definitely destined for a better finish this year than last year they would have to so yeah i feel i feel fairly good about that pick plus i just don't want to pick columbus
0: (laughs) speaking of jeremiah (laughs) <laughs> I know. You guys will leave me at the turn with both Columbus and Austin on the board. Mm-hmm. And at some point, somebody's going to have to make that choice. Yes. And I have both I have both picks. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and take Columbus with 18. Good job. Which makes me... Yeah, thanks. Bounce back <laughs> <don't> here. Really?
1: <laughs> I felt like that was really meaningful. <laughs> uh, you also have 19, Jeremiah. I know. I know. <laughs>
0: I'm going to take... And I'm going to take the New York Red Bulls at 19.
2: Ooh, okay.
0: Only because I seem to have a lot of Western Conference teams. <laughs> Before this, I had taken like all Western Conference teams, and so somebody in the East has got to score. So hopefully, Columbus and Red Bulls, New York, give me those, give
1: me that opportunity. Uh, all right, Phil, with our second to last pick.
2: Yeah, this. I mean, this is really tough. Um, oh wow. <laughs> so. Um, I am I am torn at this point between going going hometown team um, and DC United, which I think is kind of an interesting build, but will Austin have a better chance in the west to get points than DC in the east? Yeah, you know I I think I have to go Austin here. Just because I, I will feel I mean, you don't really have bad. <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> um, I um I have I am putting full faith and confidence in Maxi Arrudi to score at least ten goals this year, and um that will get enough points to to nudge above DC, I am hopeful. All right. Sorry, Herman so Herman Lasada. So with I, the I have to go hometown.
1: <laughs> with the last pick, I will take DC United. And I kid you not, I had Austin. My last two on my big board here, like down to twenty one, were DC mm-hmm. and Austin.
2: Yeah, I had Chicago in there too. I mean, I think Shakiri's gonna be really interesting. I just don't know again, another first year coach and they kinda have a long way to go given where they were. So
1: Yeah, it's such a dumpster fire of an organization, it seems, that I don't know <laughs> that a couple of good moves necessarily pulls them out of it yet. But yeah, they get like the better, be better, but it's
2: Yeah. I mean, they were, yeah, they were kind of neck and neck with Cincinnati in terms of like making some really kind of ill-advised big signings um, that kind of put them in financial straits for a while, but hopefully, hopefully they can pull it together, but um, they are kind of anchoring the leftovers team. So just going through that then who we've got remaining. So we have um, Charlotte FC who we have absolutely probably no faith and confidence in. Um,
0: no. We do, when we do the Cincinnati preview, I'm going to pick them to finish not last just because of Charlotte's
2: <laughs> even worse. Yeah, so, that's what that happened with the striker. Yeah, like we ended up, yeah, like, like Cincinnati ended up being uh, the 13th um, in the East uh, by virtue of Charlotte.
1: Okay. so the, the and, rest of the leftovers here. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte, Houston, RSL, Chicago, San Jose, Cincinnati, and Miami. Who, mm. like, if you had to take one more out of this group, you, I guess you, you said it would have been Chicago, right, Phil? Yeah, it would be Chicago. Yeah. Who would have been yours, Jeremiah? RSL, I guess. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like, so I was pretty down on San Jose, and then they made a couple of moves. I can't even remember who they are now. Oh, they got Montero. And yeah, they got Montero. Somebody else from within the league, I think.
2: Yeah. Well, they got Grey Goose a little bit earlier. Yeah. Young Grey Goose. Um, mm-hmm. So to, to contribute to their continuing glut of sixes and eights. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Maybe yeah, they trade Austin awesome for some wingers, you know, <laughs> but we're getting a glut of six nights too, which is good. So um, it's an always important thing to have. Yeah. San Jose, it's just, it's, it's so weird. Like I just, um, I did an interview with a San Jose radio guy um, yesterday. That's going to air Wednesday night. And mm-hmm you know, he was, he was pretty high on, on their potential and all that, but still just the question of Almeida and probably his last year. I mean, it seems like he is really destined to go um, coach in Mexico. And just, I think that uncertainty around the locker room is just going to um, really kind of mess with them the whole year. Plus, um, you know, Kay Cal seems like he's Europe bound, Um, you know, above a nice player, but I just, I don't see kind of necessarily how they, they do it over a full season.
1: Yeah, and with Wando out of the locker room, maybe that Mm -hmm. adds to some of the instability created by the coach almost certainly not going to be there the next year. So
2: yeah,
1: uh, that'll be interesting to watch. Well, we'll, like we said before, we'll have to check in on this again later in the season to see how we did. Uh, I like the idea of if your team gets beat by the leftovers – then you have to do a hot wing challenge and maybe we can come up with some kind of prize for first place as well. But, uh, we'll think about that and Mm -hmm. figure it out. We've got a whole season to figure it out, but. If uh, any listeners
2: want to donate to a (laughs) prize (laughs) I'll feel free. I don't know what y'all might come up with. So, um, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it was funny. I was I was um, letting Los Verde Slack know um, that I was going to be in here. And Nicholas Martin was like, oh, great. 30 minutes of Phil West puns. <laughs>
1: <That made me laughs> didn't
2: so know, we did this instead. <laughs> so I think this is I think this is hopefully more fun for your listeners. Um, although my wife <laughs> yep. doesn't hey, understand. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Phil, do you want to send us out on a pun? Did you have one you were saving after you read that? I, did you want to make sure that you don't do you, you don't deny people the
1: opportunity to get?
2: I don't work like that. It's got to be, it's got to be in the moment. It's, it's I've <laughs> okay. got to, it's, it's got to be reactive. Yeah. You
1: know, so it's all, it's like jazz. It's all about the puns you don't make. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. All right, Phil, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on again this year. We'll, we'll, uh, have you on a year from now and hopefully before then, but thanks. Yeah. Again, hopefully man. before then. <laughs> <laughs> We would like to thank Phil West one more time for joining us. It's always, always a good time with Phil. We'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And then uh, we also encourage you on this coming Friday to listen to the next episode of Swoon Tower Soccer. It's like I said, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out. So I'm excited for y'all to hear it. Um, also encourage you to join the Moon Tower Soccer MLS Fantasy League. Again, I'll put that link in the show notes. And then, if you want to continue the conversation, come find us on Twitter at lvhero 87 and at Bentley underscore ATX. And then at Moon Tower Soccer on both Twitter and Instagram. We'd like to encourage you to visit the Striker Texas website. Jeremiah, what can folks look out for this week? Well, Striker Texas on Monday and Tuesday did the
0: Texas Soccer Summit, which is two days worth of uh, video interviews and panels and things uh, about sort of the whole world of soccer. And those are videos are all posted online now. So I encourage folks to watch those. Uh, there's, uh, there's a panel on lots of folks we know involved. There's a panel on Copa Tejas that, that Rigo, uh Rodriguez Lira was on. Uh, there was a one on TIFO and supporters culture that included Katie Ensign and then Steven Gould from Dallas. I hosted one on grieving teams that have lost, but there's just a ton of content, you know, across the board on everything you want to know about soccer with the striker, Texas posted just today.
1: All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer, reviewing our first ever match of 2022. (laughs) Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. Muchas gracias.
2: Bye-bye.